Good evening everyone. Tonight's class is titled You Something or Nothing. Previously, last, last week in chapter 20 we discussed how just like when you enter a room and the room is empty, there's no one there aside for a fly. Remember Phil? We discussed this last week. You enter a room the room is empty with nothing there aside for a fly. If you go and leave the room and someone says, was, was, anyone, was anyone there with you? You're not going to say, yes, there was a fly. Mm -hmm. You'll say, no one else was there. I Just said that. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it's Your polite. average person. I don't know if it's polite to <laughs> contradict. No, no, you're not contradicting <laughs> at all. But, uh, let's, let's but the majority of people here uh, Yitzchak, I'm going to pick on you. Yitzchak, if you would be in the room together with a fly, would you comment that there was another person there? <laughs> another being? Yeah. If someone asks you, hey, was anyone else in there? Are you going to say yes, there was John the fly? No. No. I respect, by the way, Sandra, I respect that. Don't give me, I, I respect it. Well, it's I just mean, not the norm. Well, that's true, but I remember the, the situation so well, and it was like the fly camera. I didn't know anybody in town. The fly camera. There was another living being. <laughs> that's a, that's a special. That's a, no. That's special. I, I think that's I think that's special. It is. That's that's special. Um, that, that Speaking of flies, I let one out today. <laughs> <laughs> on the screen. Is inside. Wanting to get outside. So we discussed how just like there can be other entities but they're nothing to us just like that fly relative to a human doesn't really have much relativity similarly in an unparalleled way in Hashem is so great that we, we don't have any natural connection to Hashem. Hashem is infinite. We're finite. We're mortal beings. We're so distant from Hashem. That's what we learned last week. But we ended off with uh, I was being very challenged by some good good-hearted people and they said that that contradicts basically our belief in Judaism which is that Hashem loves us, He cares about us, we're, we're important, we're meaningful to Hashem. So how could He tell me on the one hand we're, we're nothing? And on the other hand, we're the chosen people, we're the cho we, each one of us is the chosen person. The world was created for each and every one of us. It's a contradiction. Phil, why don't you come here? We'll, we'll make more room for everyone else. Oh. No, no, Phil, physically. If you, join oh, me oh. here. Join me here. <laughs> I thought that also. <laughs> well, no, join in, join in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me take my card. So, <laughs> Sandra, is the question clear? The contradicts, the con yes. seeming. So, yes. how are we going to answer my shimental? No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't see it as a contradiction. You don't see it as a contradiction. Why not? Because they both exist in my mind, the truth of which. You're right. They're both true. But how? We are chosen, but that doesn't mean that as chosen, 
we can, uh, we're chosen to understand the infinite greatness of Hashem. Only Hashem. So let me, let me add a little bit to the question. We are nothing to Hashem. We are nothing to Hashem. Yet at the same time we say that every single thing we do, every mitzvah we do is so important, is so valuable. I want you to imagine you go and you watch an ant farm. Is that what it's called? An ant farm? An ant farm. And you get attracted to it. Then you have this intense yearning to really connect with these ants. Really, for whatever reason, your biggest desire in the world is for these ants to build a palace for you. It makes no sense. But that's your desire. Does that contradict that those ants are not relative to you? Not at all. Ants are, don't have much relativity. Yes, we're both, we're both living beings, don't get me wrong. But humans and ants don't have much relativity. But that doesn't mean that a human being can't decide that his biggest desire in the world is for these ants to create a palace for him. Similarly, we are those ants. And Hashem has decided for whatever reason that his biggest desire in the world is for these ants to build him a palace. So we're, yes, we're not relative, we have no relativity to Hashem, but Hashem has had this desire and wish that we create this master plan. We not create. We create this world for him. Nisava Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Taava. Hashem had a desire. Quote. Lios lo yisbarech to have for himself blessed be he, dirabetachtonim a dwelling place in the lowest of all low, in the worst of all places ever. Hashem says in that place, by the lowest of of by man. By, mor by mortal man, I want a world. So it's not a contradiction. We're not relative. But Hashem said, you know what? I, I want them to build me a palace. Does that make sense? So it all works together. It's one question answered? Sure. Okay, here we go. Yitzchak, good? Yeah. Let's hit it. So now we have a big question. And that's what chapter 21 is going to take us. We just explained... That relative to Hashem, we're nothing. But we're still something. An ant is still something. We're still a something. We may not be something big, but we're, we're an ant. We're something. Comes chapter 21, and it's going to tell us we're the ultimate nothing. What do I mean by the ultimate nothing? That's a compliment. We're the ultimate we are nothing. We're going to learn that we are one with Hashem. We were never separated from Hashem. We have never had a moment of separation from Hashem. So we're nothing. But we're the ultimate something.
Here we go. And we're going to start off by talking about speech. If you remember, we said in chapter 20, speech, the world was created with speech, which is really a negative connotation. We're trying to say how the whole mass, the whole universe, we see today the power of nature. Unfortunately, the world is going crazy. There's fires, there's floods, there's hurricanes, tornadoes. It's all happening at once. The Gemara in Sanhedrin actually tells us that right before Mashiach, there's going to be some crazy things happening. So this should be this should be the uh, ultimate uh, last thing right before Mashiach comes. All of these natural disasters and things that are happening around the world. But this whole universe, with all, of, with all of nature and everything within it, was created from the speech of Hashem. Meaning, Hashem didn't create it from His essence. A child is created from the essence of His parents. This world is not created from the essence of Hashem. It's created from Hashem's speech. And like we learned last week, you could speak to no end. You could go keep on talking. Phil, he told me last week, he doesn't remember what he... Right? We, we, we went through this. I'll, I'll ask Basha. Basha. Last Wednesday, what was the second word you said at 2 p.m.? Why don't you remember? Which day of the week? On last Wednesday, no, last Wednesday, 2 p.m., 2.01 p.m., what did, you, what did you say? You don't remember? How could you not remember? How, you don't remember what you said at that. 3.33, what did you say last Thursday? Because <laughs> speech is cheap. We could, we could keep, we could talk. We don't, have, we don't even have to mean what we say. We could, we could even lie. Speech is... When we say the world was created from Hashem's speech, it's really a negative connotation. We're saying it's coming from an external part of Hashem. It's not coming from His essence. Is it clear? Well, didn't we learn also that um, when Hashem created, when He created everything, that it was from his most inner part because of... When he created the soul. When he created chapter 2, we learned that the, that the soul of the Jew comes from Chela Galikami Mal Mamish, from the ultimate essence of Hashem. Yeah, yeah, good point. Just the soul of Jews or the souls of all people and animals? In, in chapter 2, he said a godly soul is a, is, comes from the revealed essence of Hashem. Where does it, has it gone just to... Jews? The godly soul is in, it's in the Jew. Yeah. The godly soul is in the Jew, yeah. yeah. There's also the second, the second soul. Um, and every, every being in this world has a life force within it. But the godly soul, with which Basha was referring to before, is a soul that the Jew has. Yeah. So everything was created, the world at large, the universe was created by the word of Hashem. Chapter 21 continues, however, the nature of the divine order is not like that of a creature of flesh and blood. In Hebrew, the words are powerful. The nature of the divine order is not like that of a creature of flesh and blood. Naturally, we say, Hashem doesn't have a hand. Hashem doesn't have a foot. And yet we said Hashem took us out with outstretched arms. Outstretched arms. With an outstretched arm from Egypt. 
or within the Torah we find terminology saying that a, seemingly Hashem is, has a physical being. Why? So why do we learn? Why does the Torah use physical terms? Because that's the closest we could get to understanding. But don't get fooled that Hashem is physical. Not only that, don't get fooled that when we say Hashem took us out with an outstretched arm, arm that means that Hashem has all the details of the arm. No, the nature of the divine order is not like that of a creature of flesh and blood. It's not exactly like a, like a physical being. And we explain. Speech has two qualities that we're going to discuss today. Two qualities of speech are, number one, speech reveals. Speech is here to reveal what's on your mind. Without speech, it's very hard to communicate what you want to say. Second of all, speech is something that leaves you and never comes back. When you speak, you have released something from within you and it's gone. So two qualities of speech. Number one is, it reveals what's within you. Number two is, it leaves. Hashem has speech. What does it mean Hashem has speech? Hashem has step number one. Hashem is able to take something within and reveal it. Just like speech. But the second aspect of speech, that when someone emits his breath, it leaves, how could it leave Hashem? Where should it go? There's nowhere to go. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is everything. Ah, let's just jump ahead. So now it's going to become crystal clear. We were created from Hashem's speech. And yes, we're a revelation. But we're not separate. Because there's nowhere for us to be separate from Hashem. We're, we're within Hashem. We're, Hashem is right here. Hashem is, Hashem is everywhere. So we're within Hashem. We're a part of Hashem. It's like the letter D in your mind. Let's take the Hebrew letters. Like the Hebrew letter Aleph within your, with, before it reveals itself. It's a part of you. Right? If we would take Phil right now for a test, I don't think any test in the world is going to be able to decipher the letter A that he... That he what, what word are you thinking about this moment? Can I say it out loud? Yeah, say it out loud. Okay. Fish. Fish. I don't think there's any test in the world that is able to see within you the F-I-S-H or the Dalit Gimel, dog in Hebrew. Okay. But those letters do exist. Right? They're in your mind. They're, you're, they're... Hashem... Hashem created us with speech, but with the speech that wasn't yet separated from Him. We'll never understand that. Because our, our, our speech separates from us. But again, Hashem created us from speech, but the speech within Him. We're still a part of Him. We're an active part of Hashem. Let's see that inside. However, the nature of the divine order is not like that of a creature of flesh and blood. When a man utters a word and the breath emitted in speaking is something that can be sensed and perceived as a thing apart, separated from its source. What's the source of speech? Namely, the ten faculties of the soul itself. Speech, where is it coming from? It's coming from, is it coming from your 
intellect, from Chabad, the Chachma, the wisdom, the knowledge. Is it coming from your kindness? Wherever it's coming from, from one of the ten faculties, when you've spoken, it's separated. But with the Holy One, blessed is He. His speech is not, heaven for fence, separated from Him. Blessed be He. For there is nothing outside of Him. And there is no place devoid of Him. So therefore, His speech, blessed be He, is not like our speech, God forbid. Ah, not only is Hashem's speech not like our speech, but even Hashem's thought is not like our thought. Just as His thought is not like our thought, as is written, For my thoughts are not like your thoughts. And so my ways are higher than your ways. What's the difference? What's one difference between Hashem's thoughts and our thoughts? Well, if we would know all the answers, then we... One difference is Hashem's thought itself creates. Hashem's thought itself creates. So Hashem's thought, Hashem's speech is not at all like ours. His speech, blessed be He, is called speech. So one second. If Hashem's speech doesn't separate from within, which seemingly is one of the greatest characteristics of speech, where it's, it's something that leaves the person. So why is it called speech? What is, you can't tell me Hashem has a hand and then tell me that there's nothing in common with Hashem's hand and our hand. So then Hashem doesn't have a hand. If you're saying Hashem has speech, so there must be something similar between our speech and Hashem's speech. And that's where we continue. His speech, blessed is He, is called speech only by way of an anthropomorphic illustration in the sense that as in the case of man below whose speech reveals to his audience what was hidden and concealed in his thoughts, just like we have the, our speech take something that's hidden within us. I would have never known that at the moment I asked Phil what was on his mind, fish was on his mind. There was zero chance. I, I could have guessed, I would have never known. You could have, I would have lost any game. He told me, and now I know. I'm, I, I know. I, I know. If someone asked him what he was thinking about, I know he was thinking about fish. So he revealed his essence. I don't know if his essence, but he revealed, well, he revealed what was on his mind. <laughs> so too is it on high with the ain't so blessed is he who's emitted life and life force as it emerges from him from concealment into revelation to create worlds and to sustain them is called speech when Hashem takes his power from the concealed to reveal and creates worlds with it that's called speech of Hashem just like our speech takes something hidden and reveals Hashem's speech takes something hidden and reveals it so when um, Moshe raised his hand during the battle and um, 
the Israelites. Yeah, yeah. Against Amalek, yeah. That gesture is a type of speech. It revealed something from Hashem, though no words came out. From Moshe. And, well, I guess from Hashem, though, Hashem has to- told him what to do. So that's not a good example. The actions were motions, but the action of Moshe was only by gesture, right? When that's not the same as what you're saying. Now that I've thought oh, through. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Over here we're learning that when Hashem takes his energy and shares it in a revealed way, that is called the speech of Hashem. And Everything that we know and we learn is Hashem's speech. For example, and now we're going to list. For example, the Torah is Hashem's speech. The fact that Hashem was able to take the biggest secrets and deepest parts of, of Himself and put it in the Torah. That's Hashem's speech. He's revealed it to us. So the whole Tanakh is Hashem's speech. Let's see that inside. These emanations are indeed the ten sayings by which the world was created. Likewise, also the remainder of the Torah, prophets, and writings, which the prophets conceived in their prophetic vision, all of this is Hashem's speech. Um, by raise of hand, are we familiar with the ten sayings that the world was created with? No. So let's... Let, let's review it quickly, although... From, from Bereshit? From, good, from Bereshit. When Hashem created the world... Hashem said ten words, ten sayings. And these ten sayings were responsible for the creation of the world. Mendel Mishalav, and what were one of the ten sayings? Um, well, um, let there be light. Ah, let there be light. When Hashem said, Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Rakia Vesocha Maim, there should be the firmament, there should be sky. There are ten sayings Hashem said with which the world was actually created. Those ten sayings are all revelations of Hashem. They're all Hashem's speech. So let's put this together. Speech of a human being has two aspects. Number one, where it goes ahead and reveals something concealed. Second of all, where it separates from him. Hashem's speech, of course, doesn't separate from him, but it reveals something concealed, and thus it's called speech of Hashem. But we're going to continue and say, not only, not only is the speech of Hashem, not like the human speech, which is separated, but it's one with him like the ultimate union the ultimate union what's the ultimate union what's the ultimate union Allow me to digress. Um, I was learning yesterday. I was learning 
a lot about uh, shalom bayis, a harmonial about harmonial peace in the home. And it was really I learned something fascinating. It's going to be connected, but it's something absolutely amazing. Hashem created marriage where you take two opposite entities. You take a man and a woman. And Hashem said, but they're really one. And Hashem made them one. What does Hashem... That means Hashem initially created one being. Why did Hashem create one being? Why didn't He create man and woman to... Why didn't He create a man and create a woman? He created one being to say that the truth is a couple is... They're truly one. And then he took, he separated Chava from within to make a point. That now, yes, there's two people, but truly they're one. But what, what does that mean? The ultimate union of a, of a husband and wife is not... Okay, how, how do you have a union of two, of two separate people? Two separate types of people. Extremely different. You have a man and you have a woman. Now, I'm not here. I'm not a marriage. I, I, I'm not going to go and talk about the differences between men and women. That's for a separate conversation. But we all recognize that there's a lot of differences in their nature, etc., etc. So what does Hashem want? By taking... Hashem Himself says, and the Gemara in Saita says, that every time Hashem makes a Shidduch, it's as hard as the splitting of the Red Sea. Quote, quote from the Talmud. It's every single marriage, and now every day there are millions of marriages happening. There's billions of marriages happening. Not every day. But throughout the last 5,770 years, I mean, there's been billions and billions of marriages. And yet, each, every single one, Hashem says, is as tough as the splitting of the Red Sea. So, so, what does that mean exactly? What's happening within a marriage? What is, what is so to say, the ultimate marriage? And this was said, I believe this uh, discussion happened around the times of the feminist movement. And at that time, the Rebbe, he came out very passionate. And literally, you could tell, it really bothered him. He said, there's something truly wrong that's happening. Because... Hashem created men, Hashem created women, and He said each and every one, every man and every woman, they're extremely, extremely precious. And they're equal. They're both on a pedestal, but a man must be a man, and a woman must be a woman. And the moment there's any breakdown of that, God forbid, it's going to be extremely unhealthy. And the same thing within marriage. When, when a husband and wife marry, the man must remain a man. And the woman must remain a woman. That means the man must remain a man with all of his characteristics. And a woman must remain a woman with all of her characteristics. So still, what is, so what does it mean that there needs to be a union? We say, We say, Hashem who makes peace in heaven, He should make peace. What do you mean? What type of peace in heaven? What type of fight? You ever, when was the last time you were in heaven? I don't know. When was, who, you saw a fight in heaven? Who's fighting in heaven? So there's a fight. There's a big fight. 
Remember, who's the fight between? Gavriel and Michal, two angels. Two angels, they're fighting. One of them is fire, one of them is water. And naturally, they can't be together. Hashem makes a miracle and says, fire and water, you're able to be together. That's the ultimate union. The fire remains fire, the water remains water, and, they, and yet, they, the fire naturally says, water, I will not give you one inch to stay here. The water naturally says to fire, fire, I'm gonna, you're, you're done when I come around you. The ultimate union is when the fire says, I'm fire, and I'm passionate about being fire. But I recognize Hashem told me that I'm supposed to be here with water, so I'm going to remain my fire, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be passionate, but I'll allow water to be water. And water says the same thing. I'm, I'm a passionate water. But I recognize that Hashem has created a world saying that we need to be, we need to be able to fire and water live together, and we're going to make it work. So when it comes to marriage, it's the same thing. When Hashem says that, that there should be a marriage of man and woman, He's saying, I want the woman to be the ultimate woman. And I want the man to be the ultimate man. So how are they going to get along? By recognizing that this is the ultimate task in life. Not, they're not getting married for any external reasons. They're getting married because they recognize that there is a world, <coughs> there is a world where there is a task Hashem has created for all of us. And yes, marriage with the help of God is something that's going to be a blessing for everybody. But part of that blessing is going to be necessary for both parts of the marriage to recognize that it has to be with Hashem at the core of it. Any questions? No. I bring this up because nonetheless, even with the ultimate marriage, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. What we're going to learn now is that the ultimate union is when there's truly only one thing. And that is something that is only possible within Hashem. Only within Hashem can two things be, be truly one. And that's what we're going to continue now. We're on page 88, right-hand column. Yet, Hashem's speech, as we mentioned before, is one with Him. Yet, His so-called speech and thought are united with Him in absolute union. Absolute union. Tachlis ayichut. As, for example, a person's speech and thought while they are still in potential in his wisdom and intellect. Or in a desire and craving that are still in the heart prior to rising from the heart to the brain. Whereby cogitation, they are formulated into the so-called letters. For at the time the letters of thought and speech which evolved from that longing or desire were still in potential in the heart, where they are absolutely fused with their root, namely the wisdom and intellect in the brain, and, long, and the longing and desire in the heart. 
what did we say? We said a little Kabbalah. A little, no, 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 it's not, it's not Kabbalah. This is something understandable for all of us. How many drops of water are there in the Atlantic Ocean? Billions and billions. Billions and billions. Does every drop of water have a name? I know every hurricane has a name, but does every drop of water have a name? No, the answer is no. Every drop of water doesn't have a name, and if you'd give it a name, Phil would, Phil, that would be a full-time job. And, and for, for many people. But you could think a lot about <laughs> <laughs> Every drop of water is not a drop of water. It's part of the ocean. Right? When, you go, you, when someone goes swimming in the ocean, they don't say, wow, I feel surrounded by a million drops of water. You, you're going into the ocean, one entity. And yet, the moment you take a drop and put it on your finger, you say, hey, I have a drop of water. All of a sudden, something, something unique is here. So again, we have an ocean that is full of drops, but truthfully, all the drops are one big entity. If we pull it out, we could make individual drops. Anything that comes out from a specific source had to have been inclusive within the source originally. Like going back to the ocean, the fact that I'm able to take a drop out of the ocean means that within the ocean there are many drops of water. And each drop is its own world also. Each drop is its own, own world. Atoms and... Get down to the molecular. 100% agreed, yes. Similarly, let's talk about the sun. The fact that there are, that rays of sun come out of the sun, we must say that within the sun, there are also those rays. They're not just protruding out, but, but we must say they are within the sun also. Similarly, let's now talk about our... Let's now talk about our speech. The fact that, we're, that our speech comes forth from our wisdom, our intellect, our feelings must mean that at least in a state of potential this, the words exist within our inner being. Again, anything that is able to, so to say, give birth to something must have that idea also within it. So if somebody is having, doesn't know a term for a concept, how would you explain that? I didn't understand. Could you say that again? If somebody uh, has an idea but yeah. they don't know the word for it, how do you explain Well, that's a technicality in, in the sense that sometimes they've forgotten in the specific ling language that they're talking the specific wording of it. Um, but the fact that you're able to even ex ex express something means that it has to have a source deeper within you than just your external being. Well, that's why they're referring to the potential. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I understand your example. I just, I don't want to um, use that as, an, so to say, an official example because, yeah, the reason sometimes we can't explain something could be 
for others rather than just a fact that maybe wasn't within you. There could be other issues stopping you from remembering the specific word you want to say. But, but what if you never knew the word? I mean, you see this in children. They're struggling so to express something and they get stuck in the midst in the middle of a sentence yes. and then the parent provides a connection. Even like because and then the, the kid kicks it again and can finish the sentence. So you're asking if a child that can't speak clearly, is that because of his essence of his soul? Is that your question? No. How, in terms of the uh, potential, how does that work um, when you have a, a concept, whether it's a child or an adult, like really, you don't know the word for it, whether you're a child or an adult. An example, as an adult, if someone has a dream, and maybe they want to explain it to yeah. somebody else, it's impossible. I mean, they, they, it can't be done, because they have such a clear thought, there are no words that can describe that. But, they st but the concept, exists inside of you. I'm, I'm just not clear. Are we asking a question or this is an explanation? No, I'm asking for an explanation of that phenomenon. How could it be that at times we can't express ourselves? Is that your question? Well, what happens if we don't know the word? Yeah. I mean, it's simply the challenge of life. That the, the, the thoughts and the emotions are, are pure and the difficulty for mortals is to this obstacle of expression right it's the example of you 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 feel something for the person next to you and you feel good but sometimes you can't come up with the right words to explain it and I think they're saying Hashem has that union between thoughts feelings and he's able to express it humans aren't that perfect so we all, just like the child we're talking about, and just like when we talk about dreams, a lot of us have trouble sharing what we're feeling when we try to use our intellect or those other nine um, parts of the soul to express those thoughts. Or we, that, or we try to create the speech to match what's in Yes, there. yeah, so that's why the speech is the least valuable, right, of the three. Of right. The Right, speech is the lowest of all the of the uh, of the garments. But to be clear, the fact that someone is not able to express something is not at all a reflection of a deficit or of a, of something negative within them. That's what I want to be clear about. Um, yeah. So let's put this together and uh, take some questions. So yes. Hashem created us with speech. But Hashem's speech is not like that of a human that separates. Hashem's speech is... It can't separate from it. It has nowhere to go. What would be an example with, within a human of speech that is one with him? And we explained that the that, that speech of a human must have a source before you could express something. It, it must be sourced deeper in the soul. 
And at that moment, at its, where it's deeper within the soul, it's one with the soul. It hasn't yet been expressed. And we'll continue next week to say, and that is the speech of Hashem. That would be the example of the speech of Hashem. Yes, it's speech, it's revealing something, but it's still one. And that will come to be able to better allow us to better understand that yes, Hashem created us. And yes, there, the contractions and this majestic world that we have, in, in majestic in the sense of the, the method of creation, it's here, but we're still within Hashem. It's almost as if you have a mother who within her has nine children running around. You know, it's, Hashem has created us. It's as if we're, the, we're this fetus that's... That we're not a fetus. It's as if we were alive and well within, within Hashem. Not as if. We, let me repeat this. We are alive and well within Hashem. You ever saw those big balloons that have smaller balloons in them? Hashem yes. So is the reason that Hashem's speech unlike humans doesn't emit or emanate is because Hashem is everything exactly. and there's nothing left to emanate to because he's filled the entire infinite Correct. Is, is that what it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then sometimes phenomena that are seemingly contradictory to us but reside in Hashem as non-contradictions? That's next week. Next week we're going to discuss how there could be evil, how there could be real evil in this world. In other words, are you going to say that within Hashem is real evil? The answer is yes. The answer is that all negative in this world is yes. It's within Hashem. And we'll, we'll wait till next week to better, to better understand that. Thank you very much, everyone. I w please, and uh, I just want to share that this topic, as, I said, as I've said in previous classes, the Alter Rebbe's Alt son, the, the second Chabad Rebbe said, every single thing that the Alter Rebbe taught, every single thing he spoke about was with one purpose, was to influence and inspire in everyone what we're learning now, the unity and oneness of Hashem. There is perhaps nothing greater than this topic and this idea, how Hashem is one and we're all one with Him. So thank you very much.